Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are you interested in angels, demons, spirits, ghosts, and monsters? Are you curious about their origins, tales, and influence upon history and on the present day? If so, sit back, relax, and welcome to Southern Demonology, the podcast that explores all of this and more. Hello. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, welcome back to another episode of Southern Demonology. And as always, I'm your host, JJ. Well, this episode should be dropping on Christmas Eve. So I want to wish everyone out there a very happy holidays. Uh, I hopefully actually will have another episode coming out on uh, New Year's Eve, so I would say that I wish you a happy uh, New Year's as well, but hopefully I will be able to speak to you before that happens, believe it or not. I know, regular schedules, is this really Southern Demonology? The answer is yes, yes it is. Anyway, I hope that the holiday season is treating everyone very well. I have a very special gift for you. I I wish it was something that is physical and could be mailed out, but rather it is an auditory one. We have a very special guest today whose name is Christy. She's a fellow academic. Uh, She has studied a variety of different things. She has went on archaeological digs. Uh, She has studied the Mendeans and John the Baptist. But what I really wanted to get her on here to discuss today are uh, Aramaic incantation bowls. Now, I have been to quite a few museums and I have always seen a few examples of these. And I was first introduced to them as um, water bowls. But... Christy has rightfully informed me that it really should be incantation bowls as the official designation, but they are fascinating. Uh, and once you hear her describe some more details around them, I think that you will find them even more so than just what the name implies. Uh, they, their promise is 
not only met, it is exceeded. So I hope you take a listen. It's going to be a really good time. Uh, Christy and I actually had a, a, a very long conversation. So I will be chopping this up into uh, two parts. So uh, this is going to be part one. I really hope you enjoy it. And at the very end, uh, I will come back with a little bit more information. Uh, but otherwise, please uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, all. I have a distinct pleasure of having Christy on the podcast. Uh, we met during a podcast exchange. Uh, she reached out to me saying, hey, I'd be happy to come on. And uh, ever since then, uh, she has become my best nerd friend, uh, has some serious academic chops, and I am really excited for all of y'all to get to meet her as well. Uh, Christy, hey, welcome to the uh, podcast and thank you for joining Thank you so much for having me. Um, you, you're going to make me blush um, and sort of, you know, um, I don't know, my ego is going to just be insufferable now. Well, you know, I, I'm always known for making people insufferable because I know myself. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Christy, why don't you give kind of, uh, uh, if you don't mind, a brief overview of how you got into the field some of the subjects that you kind of specialize in because uh, we are in very similar um, uh, academic study paths and it's always interesting to meet people that have gotten interested by similar topics as me so sure um so actually um I'd always sort of been interested in archaeology. Like when I was a kid, I was like, I'm gonna be a paleontologist and I'm gonna be an Egyptologist. And then I got really into choir. Um, and I was um originally a vocal major in college. And I was also um, a very devout Southern Baptist. And I was living in uh, Mesa, Arizona at the time, and there was a gentleman that was teaching a class on Christian origins. Um, his name is Shoemaker, he's great. As far as I know, he's still teaching, he's awesome, highly recommended. Um but I took the class because I thought, you know, hey, you know, if I'm going to live my life by this, then I should probably learn more about it. That's not Sunday school. And uh, I had a crisis of faith. Um, and we had spoken about this previously, um, but it was some years and I was very angry about it. And, um, and Bart Ehrman, who is a New Testament scholar from uh, Chapel Hill, um, had a similar issue when he was attending Wheaton College um, and he described it as being dragged kicking and screaming from the faith and I had a very similar sort of like reaction to it um, and then I decided that I was going to stop singing and be an archaeologist because I was really interested um, and my first dig that I went on was in 2009 to the Mountains Island dig in Israel sponsored by UNC Charlotte um, where I'm now a staff member um, and we do love volunteers and so if you want to come volunteer and dig with us then plug that uh, google dig mount zion um, yeah and so i went there and a buddy of mine that i'm still friends with uh we were walking to site one morning and at, you know 4 30 or 5 or something ungodly and uh and he said if you're if you're getting into this because you want to learn what you believe then quit now and go home and that's the best advice i've ever gotten like because I, I really was. And he was like, you're not going to find it. You're going to drive yourself crazy. So quit now and go home. And oh, that is fascinating advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I asked him about it the other day. Um, and he was like, 
oh my God, did I say that? I'm sorry. And I was like, no, Jonathan, like that's the best advice I've ever gotten, like in this field period, like from anybody. And um, like, what do you think that is so especially true? I I'm curious to get your take on it because I've never been on a, on a dig yeah. or an archaeological expedition whatsoever. Um, I mean, like just like within the field of like religious studies, like, um, and a lot of people that, that go to seminary, um, it's, it's a known phenomenon that, that quite a few people that go to seminary uh, will lose the faith and, and drop out or they'll, you know, they'll continue because, you know, I'm already more than halfway through or whatever, but, mm -hmm. um, but they, you, you don't come out unscathed a lot of the time. Um, and I think, I think because religion is one of those things that you can't, I mean, there is no inherently proving it, right? Which is why I laugh at my, my choice of uh, a future occupation, because I'm not going to find out anything until I'm friggin' dead, right? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, and, and I'm not knocking people that are devout, like, that's great, 100%, like, go for it. But for me, there's too many variables and too much, like, and I was, you know, the Baptists don't like talk about sex and don't like talk about, you know, uh, quantifiable things, yep. I guess is a nicer way to put it. And so just, you, you need to have more faith. And like, even in high school, when I go to small group, like I lost count of the times they asked me to have my mom come pick me up because I would ask questions about it. You know, I'd, I'd ask questions about whatever we're, we're reading or talking about or whatever, because we'd have like a book a semester we'd go through or something. And I'm just like, okay, well, what about this though? And they'd be like, well, you have to have faith. I'm like, okay, yeah, but my faith isn't a problem. So like, just answer my question. And there was no like, dogma there's no um not dogma um theology behind it because mm -hmm. you know again like the the more evangelical type sects don't have you know they don't have um the same kind of theology and like uh method of thinking as like the liturgical sects or like catholicism right there's and you know um rick warren wrote some book that was massively popular even in like the secular uh, community and it just it's like it's kind of like um the secret like okay this tells me nothing about nothing like why am i reading this like this doesn't tell me anything and so um i didn't get into it necessarily but i was talking with like the the high school pastor or whatever when i was going to church i was i went to church twice a week sometimes three times a week like i was really into it and like we were going back and forth for probably a half an hour and I could tell he was getting frustrated. And I was like, dude, you know, if you don't know, you can just say that. Like, you know, as, as, and now that I think about, you know, as, as corporeal beings, if there, if there is a God, I, I term myself a hopeful agnostic at this point, I'm mm -hmm. not against it. Um, I would like to think that there's something else I know that, you know, in my life and by, you know, seeing other people's lives and like reading, you know, random medical literature and whatever, like weird things happen. Like there's stuff that happens that nobody has an explanation for. And that by, you know, by physics shouldn't happen. And so I'm like, okay, like, you know, either we can't understand it right now because we don't have, you know, the, the science to do so, or like, there's some shit, there's something going on. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with the not knowing now I wasn't for a long time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so like as, as corporeal beings, like I've always said, like, um, 
so my mom died earlier this year and like I still have like the ashes and stuff and um and she said that she always wanted to be put in a Folgers jar <laughs> and so because <laughs> she she loved drinking Folgers and my stepsister got like I think she was like offended by the idea um because they kept saying it and uh you know because they just gave me like a, a black box full of like the bags of ashes or whatever they don't have an urn in my, I'm not going to keep her around like I don't have a need to because that's not my mom you know what? like it's ashes and uh and you know just like the I'm rambling a bit so you know a funeral is for the living like whatever happens to the person that's died they are not concerned with what's going on here anymore because they are not corporeal any longer and so as far as religion goes bringing it back to that so very long answer to a very short question um as far as religion goes as corporeal beings i don't think that we can understand something that goes beyond that because you know just like <clears throat> you know the idea that like god can't talk to people he has to send angels because like he'll make people's heads explode or whatever was in like dogma like we went through seven atoms before we found that out right, right? with metatron shows up <laughs> but um but yeah and so like okay so you know and, and even moses like couldn't even look at god like he had to hide his face as you know in the crevice of the mountain as god was passing by right. and even then you know human beings couldn't look upon moses like because he was reflecting god like it was too much and so as a result i don't think that it's unreasonable to argue that we can't understand it like it's not possible oh and yeah so, i used to have a professor in grad school who always said if you ever get to be in the presence of god you are not going to have the best of days yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and like um and so yeah so like i think i think that's it and so like going back to the crux of, of the question is you know why is that why was that good advice like I think that's a great deal of it is that it's impossible for us to grasp and understand. And there are so many, even just veins of Christianity that aren't even around anymore, much less the one, you know, the tens of thousands that are like, if you go looking for something that, that quote unquote feels right. And you're looking for it, you're going to drive yourself crazy because you're just going to sit there and be like, well, okay, cool. Well, like, you know, the Mennonites say this, but the Lutherans say that. And, you know, the Gnostics say this, but, you know, then the Catholics say that, like, okay, like, what, what are you going to get for it? Like, nothing. You're going to burn yourself out and, and, you know, and quit because you just dug yourself a hole, right? Um, True. Actually, I, I want to go back and ask you, like, um, I think it is true that the more that you begin to study these topics, there are things that can trip somebody up. Uh, like, for example, knowing that, you know, there's over just in the Hebrew Bible alone, there's over a hundred whole hexagomena or words that are just used once. And although we think we know what they largely mean, you know, we have definitely lost the nuance to that. Mm -hmm. Or the fact that there are certain rituals, like uh, the, the whole uh, tribute to Azazel. We, we've forgotten what that actually means. Mm -hmm. um, or the if you start comparing the Hebrew Bible to the Septuaginta, and you yep. see all of these different, you know, variations and things that have been dropped from one and added to another, 
you know, there's a lot of things that will make someone begin to question and question at a pretty fundamental level. Do you remember what it was that kind of, uh, you know, caused your crisis of faith, as you put it? So it's going to sound really dumb. Um, there are no dumb answers <laughs> at all. Yes, there are. Um, <laughs> I was a TA for two years and there were some really smart kids and there were some kids that really needed some help. Anyway, um, that would be accurate. <laughs> um, so I'd been having some some issues with the class anyway. And um, I mean, not with the class, like it was a great class. It was super cool. Like our final was to, as a class, come up with. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Like the Jesus story that people could buy like now, like if we came to somebody and was like, this happened, like, would someone be like, oh, okay. Like, so like we got rid of like the virgin birth, we got rid of a couple of different things, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause that didn't fucking happen, you know? Like it happens with frogs. Um, and actually I read the other day, it's been happening with condors. Um, oh, that, that is true, yeah, with the asexual yeah. reproduction. Yep, with the pathogenesis, right? And, and uh, so we were sitting there and we were talking about, the New Testament, because uh, it's about Christian origins. And we were talking, so we didn't talk about like the Old Testament a super, super lot. Because um, again, it's, you know, it's about, um, you know, first century beliefs and yada, yada, until, you know, about 300 when it starts to really codify, right? With like Messiah and Constantine and all that. Um, so we're talking, we're talking about, uh, about Jesus in the New Testament, basically how he's like, he's pretty chill when dealing with these things that people think are a big deal, like um, like sex workers or like, you know, prostitutes, quote unquote, um, and with the poor and with those that are sick or whatever, like, you know, now it's very um, stigmatized, all of those things. And, you know, evangelicals, and I'm speaking from my own background. So here's that, you know, like evangelicals, like don't, they don't embody the gospel of James like they should. And like, um, and correct me if I'm incorrect. Um, but as far as I am aware, the only imperative that was used in the new Testament was with what in respect to Jesus was, um, take care of the widows and the children, like, like take care of the flock, like make sure that people have what they need. Um, and the imperative, like we don't really have it in English, but like we have it in other languages mm-hmm. and it's, it's literally a command. Right. Um, and so like we were sitting there talking about that and, you know, and then uh, Mr. Shoemaker was like, okay, so like, what about God in the Old Testament? I'm like, 
well, he was pissed off all the time. And he, you know, like not only like screw y'all, but like screw y'all forever, you know, go nuclear, like salt the ground, like you're done. Like for no reason. I mean, like when Joshua and, you know, the Israelites had crossed over um, from the wilderness, or whatever, like there were people already living there. And God's like, no, 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 no. But screw them though. Like they didn't do anything wrong. They were just living there. And like this group of randos like just shows up and like, I'm going to take all your shit and like, and, and kill you and your kid. And I'm going to live in your house. It's going to be great. Like, you know, and so like you're sitting there. And so, you know, and so uh, Mr. Shoemaker was like, you know, how's God in the new Testament? And I said, and nobody said anything. I said, well, he's absent because he is, because God never shows up in the new Testament, right? It's just Jesus. And then he said, well, how about God in the old Testament? And I said, well, he tells people to do stuff all the time or, and, you know, do it or else, right? So not just do it, but do it or else. And, um, and he said, well, okay, so how do you interpret that? Like, how do you understand that? And I said, well, how is that different than a kid with an ant farm that's messing around with the farm? Exactly. You know? And so like, that was really, you know, I'd already been having some doubts and some issues and, I know it sounds like a weird place to like have that final nail in the coffin, like that, the crack that, you know, just sort of like turn into a fissure. Um, but that's really where it was. And, um, and I don't know why that's what did it, but just like, oh, you know, like being raised, you know, Southern Baptist and all that, you know, and the Southern Baptists love that Jeremiah quote about, you know, I know the hairs in your head and I have plans for you and blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, okay, but, you know, and like the free will thing I always had an issue with, like, you know, well, if God knows what you're going to do, then how do you have free will? Like, you know, and nobody could ever like, explain, you know, because again, the Baptists don't really do theology because you don't have to do anything to be a pastor. And, um, you know, like, yeah, I don't in know. Fact, <clears throat> that entire concept of and a lot of Protestant faiths have it, and I'm not knocking anything. I'm not advocating for any particular faith over another, uh, whether it is a sect of Christianity or it is, a, you know, an entire different religion. I am completely, you know, ag- neutral on all of that. But I will say that there is no belief that drives me crazier than the one where anybody can just pick up the Bible and read it and completely understand it. Right. That like, is bullshit. I mean, I have, I have like five, through. I have five different versions of like, an, you know, annotated Bibles. And then I have, you know, an annotated Bible and then like the, the actual, like, you know, that's annotated, but then it has like a companion book to go with it. I think it's, um, it's a Catholic one, like put out by Harvard, I think, but like both of these things are like 2000 pages long and exactly because like, you don't know, sorry, um, you, like, you can't understand these things, and, like, you know, they, like, they talk about all these things in the New Testament that harken back, you know, or the, the Old Testament that, you know, are, like, um, that, you know, foreshadow Jesus or whatever, and, like, no, no, I mean, yeah, you can take it that way, and, like, yes, Jesus was emulating these things, but that's because it's, it's, uh, it's a type, it's a typology, right? Like I'm doing these things to invoke this other thing, you know, just like John the Baptist did a lot of his stuff to invoke Elijah. Like a lot of his things were reminiscent of Elijah specifically. And so like, yes, there are these things, but you're not gonna know that by just picking it up, right? Like that's exactly it. Like 
and you can't understand like what something meant in like, you know, the Old Testament slash like Hebrew Bible, like however you want to take it, like, because you haven't read the Midrash, you haven't read these other, you haven't, you haven't read anything that, you know, and, and, um, there was, um, there's some passage in the New Testament, um, where Jesus mentions somebody that was martyred or something, but that was in a text called the lives of the prophets that was circulating around that time. But like, you don't know that. It means nothing to you because you've never heard of it. And like, yeah, like it's, it's patently ridiculous. Like you don't get to talk to other people about what this means when really you're just interpreting it for yourself. Accurate. Like, so, but one of the getting back to, I guess the original topic was, um, you had gotten to study something that has always fascinated me and that are, and that's Aramaic incantation bowls. Can you just give like a, a summary of what in the hell these things are? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I got there a weird way too. Um, there's a, so first we're, let's talk about the bowls. Um, so they were, they're found, they're only made during um, the like sixth to the eighth century, centuries, excuse me. Um, so there's like 200 years of these and like, that's it. There's BCE nothing before. or CE? CE. CE. okay. Um, and so there's nothing before them that is is comparable really. And then like, then they stopped when um, when uh, Islam began moving through uh, the area. They're, they're, they're made in, in Mesopotamia in Babylon, like Iraq and Iran right now, um, uh, usually in like the, what we consider like the Northern portions. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, and so in like, as of now, um, we know of a couple thousand at least that are in private collections or museums. And like, there's, I mean, there's more in private collections, um, but the vast majority of them, uh, unfortunately don't have any provenance because they've been sold, you know, on the antiquities market or whatever. Right. Um, which is and a so, huge problem for most right. artists. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then, there, yeah, and then there's a Hobby Lobby thing that they got in trouble for a couple of years ago uh, for buying antiquities. Yep. <laughs> for buying stolen things. Because, like, um, <laughs> like, the IAA will only get you for things that were purchased after, like, I don't know, 75 or something. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a pretty short window of time. If you're like, no, I bought this, you know, before then, then, like, okay, well you know there you have to document it now there's some kind of documentation process i assume but they won't they won't ding you for having something or mm. inheriting something or whatever um and so um so yeah so um there the british museum has quite a few and in 2000 or 2001 um a few scholars went through and, and translated all of them and documented things about them but um, so um these are bowls and, and they're they're quite small. They're about the size of a cereal bowl. So like, I don't know, like like so-ish, mm -hmm. um, like a standard cereal bowl. Um, and they're made out of um, they're made out of clay. They're they're just standard use bowls that one you just got, go to the store and buy. Um, and so it's quite interesting that you know these things were used for magical purposes when they weren't sort of like bespoke items. Um, and so what what you would do is you you know go to the market whatever buy this bowl and you'd go find a scribe and so these bowls are are 90 percent of them are written in two dialects of hebrew um one is jewish aramaic which is the majority of them 
and um, and the other is a dialect called Mendean. And the Mendeans are a very small Gnostic sect. Um, and there's there's a discussion, <laughs> I guess, over their origins. Um, and I was originally going to write my master's thesis on that. And um, my thesis chair disagreed with my thoughts, which is that the Mendean, the, the Mendean theology says that they came from Palestine and then they moved eastward um, from persecution from the Jews or whatever, because mm-hmm. uh, they're because they're the quote unquote real Jews. And John the Baptist is is the good guy in Mendean. And then Jesus was a bad guy and a usurper. And, and he tricks John the Baptist into baptizing him and like all this kind of stuff. It's, it's really interesting. Oh, it um, is fascinating. I yeah. Um, and so. Uh, so uh, and then the other school of thought is that, no, they were already in you know the marshlands and in Mesopotamia and because they are so close to Gnostic, nobody really knew they were there and they're, you know, a brand of Manichae, uh, Manichaeism and this kind of stuff. So anyway. Um, and their iconography I, is just like so bright, so vivid yes. with the reds and yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, I don't mean to try. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 like, no. I'll talk all day about Mindans. Um, uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, so you have these bowls and you take them to a scribe. Um, typically either Jewish or Mendean, um, there are some bowls that are written in Syriac, which uh, which are typically Christian bowls. And then there are a far fewer number that are written in Arabic. Um, and even the Syriac ones or um, Pahlavi ones are, are very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd imagine because this is getting closer to the time when the bowls were stopped, but I don't know, um, that's my guess. Um, so you take it to the scribe and for, you know, you're, for example, like you have a headache or, you know, or you're pregnant or you're having issues with, you know, not, you know, staying pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so you go to scribe and you're like, hey, this is my problem. And they're like, all right. And so the scribes have various, um, there, there are, they'll riff on them sometimes, but there are probably like five or six, like different spell formulae that are typically used. Um, and typically it'll start out with, um, with the metronym, which is interesting. Um, you know, it'll be, you know, Christina, son of, or daughter of Linda, right? It'll always like name the mother, which is right. interesting because at that point they weren't doing that. They're, you know, the Jews were doing patrilineal stuff. Right, so, yeah. In um, fact, a lot of magical formula kind of floating around, it was based upon prayers, but it never really ever mentioned the person itself. Yeah. If they were meant to be passed along, so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, that's and interesting. Like, yeah, and also um, the the scribe doesn't necessarily have to be the same belief or in, in the same religion as as the uh, as a person um, commissioning the piece. Like there, they found um, in one of in one of these um, digs that they did, they found some bowls that were that named the same person you know, like, you know, so-and-so, you know, son of so-and-so, whatever, mm-hmm. but they were written, a couple of them were written in Mandaic and a couple of them were written in uh, Aramaic. And so hmm. like, who knows, who knows their religion, right? Um, and so uh, I find, I find that quite interesting as well. Um, and the Mandaean, the Mandaean script will, uh, will also use um, Jewish formulae, which is also very interesting. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so in the in the Jewish bowls, they typically will 
they'll start at the rim and the writing will move in a spiral, um, usually counterclockwise, I believe, because left-handed, yeah. So it'd be counterclockwise and until it reaches like the bottom of the bowl. And usually at that point, there's a drawing of some kind and who the figures are in the drawings are still up for debate. Um, Cause even in the Jewish bowls, like, yes, it'll, it'll mention, you know, it'll quote biblical text or, or, you know, or a get or something, which is um, a get is a, uh, is a divorce procedure within Judaism. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes if someone believes that, you know, they're being plagued by a demon, for example, um, the most common one is, is a get against Lilith. Um, and so like, I will, I divorce myself from this demon. So I divorce myself from sickness or from, you know, these things that are plaguing me. Right. Um, and so uh, there's been some work recently uh, based on the iconography of the bowls, which I find fascinating. And, um, and that's, that's how I got into it is based on the iconography. Um, and then the Mandaean bowls will also write inside the, it'll also be um, in a specific way, but they'll write it in, in three sections, like wedges. And then there'll also be like figures. Um, a lot of times there's an Ouroboros. Um, sometimes it's just like animals, but often it's these weird sort of like human animal hybrid things that are usually pictured in fetters or otherwise bound in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the belief is because most of them at, that have been found, um, sorry, um, in situ have been found overturned and they've been found typically um, on the threshold of the home or in, a, in the corners. And so it, like the idea is that it's forming some kind of a perimeter. Um, and there've been some that have been found where the, like the bed should have been like within this home. Um, and those are typically ones that talk about, um, about pregnancy and childbirth and like Lilith with a capital L, mm -hmm. um, like, like the personage of Lilith, like, because she likes to come and, and steal babies away and whatever, um, according to the lore, right? Uh, and so the idea, the, the general thought is that by turning these upside down, if demons are coming from like the underworld, then they'll get caught in the bowl and they won't be able to come up. Um, but there have been other bowls that have been found that are put together like rim to rim and they're, um, they're stuck together with like pitch and like, um, and like rope or twine or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, <clears throat> it's quite interesting. No, as far as I know, like no one really knows what to make of these. Um, but there have, you know, inside there, sometimes there's something inside of them. Um, sometimes it's, um, it's like an eggshell or something like that, but there have been a number of them that have been found with either skull fragments or an entire skull. So I know that was a very cruel place to insert a cliffhanger and I apologize. In fact, you know, at the very end, she was saying that it, they found some skull fragments. Keep that in mind because that story is going to get a whole heck of a lot more interesting in the second half. Uh, but again, I'm trying to keep these episodes to as close to 30 minutes as possible. Uh, I know that some people may want some, you know, longer ones, but I don't want to inflict my voice upon people for all that long. So, you know, bear with me, but part two will be coming up uh, the very next week. So you don't have long to wait on that one. Uh, the one last thing I wanted to say 
is that I have been trying out uh, this new uh, Wisdom platform, which is a social audio platform. And there I have uh, done one talk, which was uh, introducing just the entire concept of what Southern Demonology is. And it runs for about two, two and a half minutes. So it's a very short read. Um, and further, I have also done a longer form talk, uh, which was uh, on Wednesday, uh, December 22nd. Uh, and that one ran for about 25 minutes. And there I covered some uh, future episode ideas that uh, I had been considering. If you are interested, uh, I am happy to turn these either into uh, full episodes in and of themselves or I can put them onto our uh, YouTube channel and have them live there as well. So if you're curious, um, you know, you can always check out the, the Wisdom Talks. I have been thinking about if there is enough interest, then I could always do an after show on Wisdom or on another platform. I'm not wedded to any single one at this point. Um, or I could just do some general Q&A sessions. Uh, but the good thing about the Q&A is because Discord has been bumping up its live broadcast and uh, interactability elements, I could also do it there as well. So if you're curious, if you're interested in either one of those avenues, please reach out and let me know. Uh, you can reach us on our website, on our Facebook page, on uh, our Discord server, uh, and actually uh, on our YouTube channel. So anywhere you want to go, you can uh, hit us up and let us know exactly what you would be interested in. Uh, as always, if you want to have some more interaction with the show, please feel free to join our Discord server. Um, or if you want to support the channel, please uh, uh, join our uh, Patreon. There are several different layers. But if you'd like to get our content early or even have your name read at the end of each episode or shown up in lights on our YouTube channel, then uh, more than happy to do either one of those. Uh, anything to be able to pay you back for paying us to help actually run this channel. So again, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. hope everyone out there has a wonderful holiday. And until next week, I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Southern Demonology. Find us online at southerndemonology.com where you can find all of our social and podcasting links. Also, if you have a moment, please feel free to rate this podcast and leave any encouraging feedbacks that you may have. As always, I am JJ and it has been a pleasure getting to talk to you today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 